This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. Hi, my name is Dr. Lou Diaz, pastor of Butte Bible Fellowship located at 2255 Pillsbury Road in Chico. And I'm providing inspirational teaching for you from God's Word each week. Listen to my weekly radio program, Encouraging Words with Dr. Lou Diaz, at 10 a.m. on Saturday or 10 a.m. on Sunday. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Please turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2, the story of the Magi visiting the Messiah. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them, where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will, be shepherd, who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this historical record inspired by your Holy Spirit <clears throat> to teach us about the birth of Christ and the visit by the wise men from the East. Lord, speak to us as we want to see this scripture applied in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. My precious wife, Shirley, and I get the privilege of babysitting our grandkids who live here in Chico. And the other day, we were watching a two-year-old, soon-to-be three-year-old Kaizen. He was born on Christmas Eve at Enloe Hospital. He's going to be three, and he's so precious, and he's become very articulate, and he has a younger brother named Oliver, who's about uh, nine months old. Now, what happened was Shirley was introducing to Kaizen the concept about Christmas, and she was doing it through song. So she sang, Away in a manger, no crib for a bed. And right then, Kaizen interrupts and says, What? 
He didn't have a crib or a bed. That's my grandson. Sharp as a tack. Picked up on the concept of Christmas just like that. Now here is God humbling himself, becoming a baby, and he doesn't even have a bed or a crib. There was no room in the inn. And so he was relegated to a trough that animals feed out of. He, Kaizen asked Grammy, well then what did he sleep on? And Shirley said he slept on hay. And he was among the animals in the barn. It's like, what? <laughs> That's the essence of the Christmas story. That Christmas is about humility. And we've been seeing that humility is accepting the Lord's will for your life. Just as Zechariah and Mary had to accept God's will that they were going to be the parents of John the Baptist with Zechariah and Elizabeth and of Jesus, of Mary and the Holy Spirit. And secondly, humility is being included in God's family. That when we looked at the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew, we saw some questionable characters in that genealogy that were included in the family tree of Jesus. And we praise God Jesus came to deal with and die for our sin and our shame so that we too, by faith, might be included in God's forever family by his grace. And today, we're looking at the fact that humility is making whatever sacrifice is necessary in order to glorify God. Humility is making whatever sacrifice is necessary to glorify God. And we're going to see the sacrifices that were made by the shepherds and the wise men. But before that, let me recap the fact that Christmas is about humility. Philippians 2, the Apostle Paul says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. In John 6.38, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. Matthew 28, 20, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Hebrews 10, 5-7, therefore when Christ came into the world, he said, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me with burnt offerings and sin offerings you were not pleased. Then I said, here I am, it is written about me in the scroll, I have come to do your will my God. 
And in Luke twenty-two forty-two, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. You see, Christmas is about humility because the Lord emptied himself. Because the Lord became a servant to do God the Father's will. Because the Lord served us by dying on the cross so our sins are forgiven and his own righteousness is now ours. Praise be to God that Jesus humbled himself. And when you read the Christmas accounts, it's smacked through with acts of humility, contrasted with acts of outright, outright pride. We're going to see this in a moment. But as we go through, we ask the question, how did the Magi and the shepherds make sacrifices in order to glorify God? How did the Magi make sacrifices in order to glorify God? You know the story well from Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. The Magi studied astronomy, not astrology. There's a difference. Astronomy is a science of the planets, and astrology is a, a mixture of guessing about the planets regarding the events of people's lives. And the reason they even knew about he who would be born king of the Jews was because there was a young teenager named Daniel who was taken into exile into Babylon. And Daniel told them all about the coming Messiah. And these wise men kept studying about this. And they traveled hundreds of miles. They went 400 to 900 miles. Is that not a sacrifice? And it's through rugged terrain. And as they traveled, uh, Jesus was born, and by the time they get there, he's already a child in a house. So when you see the wise men uh, in the manger scene, that's not correct, because it took them a while before they got there. But the sacrifices, they traveled hundreds of miles. The Magi risked their lives to ask King Herod about the king of the Jews of all people, to ask, where is born the king of the Jews? King Herod is the last person you wanted to ask. Why? Because he killed off any rival king. He killed off family. He killed off nobles. He killed off anybody who threatened his power. And here comes the wise men, where is born the king of the Jews? Another rival. And what ends up happening? He kills off 20 or 30 kids under age 2 in Bethlehem because he was told that Bethlehem was where this king of the Jews would be born. What a horrible, evil, power-worshipping man Herod was. And the wise men, following through on their mission, asked him, 
where is born he who is the king of the Jews? The Magi also found out his birthplace because when King Herod called the people's scribes and teachers of the law, they knew right off the bat from the prophecy of Micah, Micah chapter 5, verse 2, that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem of Ephrathah, the most humble place a Messiah could be born in. They knew the location of the birth of the Messiah. And as you know, Bethlehem means house of bread, and how appropriate for Jesus, who is known as the bread of life, to be born in the house of bread. And then the Mag Mag Magi gave meaningful gifts to Jesus. When they came to Jesus, they gave him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The gold points to our Lord's royalty. The frankincense points to his divinity. And the myrrh to his humanity. But also, in a way, the Magi preached the gospel by their object lessons, by the gifts that they gave. Because the gold uh, speaks of how God himself, his divinity, came to heaven, uh, came to earth to be a priest, frankincense, and to die for our sins, myrrh. Myrrh was embalming fluid in, in essence. An embalming liquid never appears on the top of lists of baby shower gifts in society today. But yet, it was a symbol given to the Messiah that he who is king came to be a priest to give his life as a sacrifice. The gospel illustrated by the gifts of the Magi. And the Magi obeyed the angel's warning. The, the angel told them not to go back to Herod. When he said, let me know when you find him because I want to go over and worship him. The angel said, that's not true. Go back another way. And they did. When Herod found out that he had been tricked, they didn't come back. That's when he had the 20 or 30 kids under age 2 killed in Bethlehem. But Joseph had been warned that there would be danger and took Jesus with the gold that he got from one of the Magi to Egypt so that they were safe. Now, how did the shepherds make sacrifices in order to glorify God? The shepherds watched over sacrificial lambs. They were there out in the field, and the lambs that they were taking care of were the very lambs that would be used for temple sacrifice. How appropriate. But you need to know that whereas um, the wise men were on the top of the rank of society, the shepherds were on the bottom rung. They were the untouchables. They were considered dirty and unclean, and they were not allowed in court to give testimony. So they were the untouchables, the despicables of society. And yet, what happened? God announced to shepherds that the Lord would be, that the Lord was born. We read about this in Luke chapter 2. In Luke 2, we find that the, the shepherds were out in the field watching over their flock, and verse 9 says, 
an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. They were full of healthy fear of God. The reason we have problems in society today is that there's no fear of the Lord. People have treated God uh, in a way that trivializes him and minimizes him, and there's no respect for God. These shepherds were terrified. They saw the glory of the Lord. And the shepherds listened to the good news. The good news was told to them by this angel when he said, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Now, many of you may not know that this is the 60th anniversary of the Charlie Brown Christmas special. And what a hassle and conflict there was between Charles Schultz and CBS before it was aired. You can't do that. You can't have Linus say out loud the Luke chapter 2. You can't have him quote scripture. This is a television program. This is a Christmas special. And Charles Schultz is saying that's exactly the point. There is uh, Charlie Brown moping around, wondering what it's all about. And there's a song, uh, Christmas Time is Here, and it's a sad song because he's searching and he's, he doesn't know what Christmas is about. And there's Linus, and he says, For unto you a Savior is born, Christ the Lord. And that turns everything right side up. These shepherds listened to that good news. And then they witnessed angels praising God. Verse 10, suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. You see, the shepherds obeyed the word received. And sure enough, they found Jesus. Verse 16, so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. So the, the shepherds gave glory to God. In these ways, we see that the shepherds and the magi, the wise men, made sacrifices in order to glorify God. But there's the contrast, the selfishness exhibited in the Christmas story that represented pride. You remember the innkeeper, even though he's not mentioned. 
Jesus was in the manger because there was no room at the end. So we all know there had to be an innkeeper. And the innkeeper said, no room, no vacancies. How many of us can have pride to refuse to receive the Lord or follow the Lord, and we say to him, no room for you in my life. No vacancies. We want to be the captain of our fate and the master of our destiny. And Jesus is knocking at the door and says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and fellowship and be with him. So are, is that a response that many have at Christmas time? Yes. And then King Herod's response is the epitome of pride. Kill any rival king. You know the expression, the Lord of the Rings? I want you to picture yourself and a ring around you. Who's the Lord of your ring? Many of us say, I'm the king or I'm the queen and I don't want any rivals. I don't want anyone telling me what to do. And that was King Herod. He killed anyone that rivaled his power and authority. Again, that's pride with a capital I right in the middle of it. We are to humble ourselves and receive the king. Then there's the chief priests and the teachers of the law. How far is Jerusalem from Bethlehem? The answer is six measly miles. The chief priests and teachers of the law knew prophecy. They knew Micah 5.2. They knew that these magi have come and said, where can we worship the one born king of the Jews? And yet they didn't bother to travel a measly six miles in order to worship the king of the Jews themselves. They knew where the Messiah was to be born. They heard he had been born, and they didn't go. How much like people today. And then Satan, of course, he's behind all pride and all evil. So here we have that side of the story. But sacrifices were made that represent humility in the Christmas story. Of course, you have the Magi and the shepherds that represent seeking. Wise men still seek him, and shepherds flock together. I just made that one up. Shepherds flock together. Shepherds came to see him who is the shepherd, Jesus. Shepherds flock together. Zechariah and Elizabeth, Zechariah was struck silent because he didn't believe what the angel Gabriel had announced to him. Mary and Joseph, when you stop to think of it, they experienced scorn because here's, here they were betrothed, they were engaged to be married, and Mary is pregnant. Either Joseph and Mary were involved physically before they got married, or Mary was unfaithful to Joseph. There's scorn involved in that, shame involved in that, and that was the sacrifice, part of the sacrifice that they endured. And then, of course, 
the families that lost the 25 or 30 kids that were slaughtered by King Herod experienced great grief. And there was mourning just like when Rachel died in giving birth to Benjamin. And also uh, that was the place of exile. They went into Babylon from Ramah. So that kind of grief was experienced. And then, of course, Simeon and Anna who come to the time when Jesus is dedicated at the temple represent waiting, the sacrifice of waiting upon the Lord. And then Jesus, of course, is the ultimate, representing obedience. John 17, 4, I glorified you, him speaking to God the Father, on the earth, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. Aren't you glad that Jesus was obedient unto death, even death on a cross, that Jesus gave his life, his perfect, righteous life. He didn't have to die for his sin, but he died for our sins, that we could be forgiven and we could receive his righteous life to our account, so that when God sees us, he sees the righteousness of his own Son in us. Well, the Bible says we're to live for the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 6.20, For you have been bought with a price, that's the precious blood of Jesus, therefore glorify God in your body. And 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, Whether then you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. And you know what? To glorify God involves humility. Humility to make sacrifices. The very first sacrifice you need to make is the sacrifice of faith. If you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, guess what has to be sacrificed? Your pride. You can't save yourself. Only God can save you. Only God can atone for your sins as he did in Jesus. You can't do enough to make up for the things you've done wrong. You, you need to receive and accept God's divine pardon, and it's free to you, but it costs Jesus everything. But you've got to sacrifice your pride. You've got to say, yes, I'm a sinner, and I need salvation. I need forgiveness of sin. I need Jesus. And then the Lord calls us to make sacrifices. But when you love the Lord, guess what? The sacrifices are privileges. I'm happy to give up this in order to live for the Lord. I am thankful that I am the Lord's and nothing compares to knowing him and, and having him in my life. So 2 Thessalonians 1, 11-12 is my closing prayer for you. And it's this. I constantly pray for you that our God might make you worthy of his calling and that by his power he may bring to fruition your every desire for goodness and your every deed prompted by faith. I pray this so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the sacrifices made at Christmas time. And just as those sacrifices were made back then, may we 
make whatever sacrifices necessary to bring glory to you, to point people to you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your forgiveness through faith in Jesus. Jesus, we trust in you right now as our Savior and Lord. Forgive us of our sins. Give us the gift of eternal life, which is found only in you. We believe and we thank you for your great love that brought you to be here for us. Do you need encouragement? I want to share my spiritual gift of encouragement with you. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521 to find out how you can connect with our weekly worship services and faith-building messages from God's Word.